When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, in today's industry, I mean, you feel like you feel like if, if if the marketing has been true for the past twelve to fifteen years, like we all should be hitting it three hundred fifty, three hundred seventy-five yards. You know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, editor-in-chief over at GolfUnfiltered.com. Send me an email, Adam, at GolfUnfiltered.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, at GolfUnfiltered. Uh, We are continuing our discussion of the golf equipment review processes and uh, perception versus reality this month on the Golf Unfiltered podcast. And to help with that, we are welcoming Mr. Uh, Troy Klongerbo to the podcast today. Troy, how are you tonight? Doing pretty darn good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great, and I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, and one of the reasons, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we get through our uh, our, our show today, uh, Troy, I wanted to bring you on because I know that you do a lot of golf equipment reviews on your website, um, and I want to give you the opportunity first and foremost to kind of introduce yourself, let our listeners know uh, who you are, where you're from, and maybe a little bit about the website that you run. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, my name, as you said, is Troy Klongerbo, and I'm the editor-in-chief of usgolftv.com. Uh, and, and we're a team here based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, braving the high of zero degrees today on January, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it's crazy here. But, um, yeah, so we have, a, we have a small team, you know, uh, you know, five or six of us. We're based here in Sioux Falls, and uh, we have a website. Uh, alongside a TV show, and we uh, develop a lot of content that's kind of geared around helping golfers improve uh, improve their golf game. Uh, so we have a kind of a boutique of products that are designed to um, you know work through. We have we have PGA a PGA instructor who kind of worked uh, you know this system out that he's worked out with his you know LPGA professionals he works with all the way down to his students in his academy, and so that's kind of the, that's kind of the goal of what we do at US Golf TV. Our, our whole mantra is help golfers play better golf. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we're up to over here at U.S. Golf TV. And then from time to time we do an equipment review. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. And listeners, uh, usgolftv.com is a great site to go out. As Troy had mentioned, you can learn a lot about your game as well as how uh, some of the products that he tests and his team tests help theirs. And, you know, uh, Troy, I wanted to go down that path because, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking a lot about just the different golf review, golf equipment review processes that different websites do, and some of the guests this month are going to really focus on that topic. Um, first and foremost, I guess, when we, you do product reviews, uh, how many would you say that you do in a year? Is it, is it a good number, uh, or is it some, I guess, how many reviews would you say that your uh, team does in a year? It's a good question. Uh, if I was to say for myself, uh, you know, personally, I'm probably in that, you know, five to 10 per year. Uh, but as a team, we, we do, we do, um, you know, upwards of 20, mm-hmm. uh, our head, you know, our founder of us golf TV, his name is Todd Kolb. 
uh, and he, he's constantly reviewing, you know, you know, products that are, you know, we're either we're partnering with or uh, products that are just kind of in the industry that are getting a lot of talk that people want a reliable PGA uh, instructor's insights on. Um, you know, you know, so I guess to answer your question, me, I'm doing maybe five to 10, but our team is doing, you know, upwards of 20 or more a year. So. Perfect. And that's a good number. Um, you know, I think you and I, uh, at least in the sites that we run are very similar with the accessibility that we have to golf equipment. You know, we're not a golf digest. We're not a golf magazine. We don't have shipments of golf product that are coming to our door every day. Um, but maybe we can kind of let our listeners know, I've spoken about how, we at Golf and Filtered get our products to, to review. How does the process work for you all? Do you basically reach out to golf companies, ask to review uh, a, a product, or have you built up over the years a good network of people that you work with at the various uh, original equipment manufacturers? You know, Adam, it's a, it's a steady mix for us. Uh, you know, being you know in business now since 2009 and kind of officially on a website since 2011, we've been able to build up quite the following as far as traffic that we're able to garner. And we get found a lot by companies looking for reviews. Um, you know, honestly, I'm, I mean, I'm getting emails probably, uh, you know, two to three to four to five a week to my inbox. And I can't imagine that. I mean, I don't ask Todd on a daily basis how many times he gets asked, but I'm sure it's double or triple that. So, you know, a lot of it is people reaching out to us with a product, um, you know, but but in some of the other products that we do, it's it's companies that we've we've worked with in the past, um, relationships we've developed in that sense, uh, and then sometimes honestly, it's just kind of where the industry is heading. You know, if it's if if it's a product that is taking the industry by a little bit of storm, and we're going, what is going on with this? I mean, as much as we want to, you know, create a a fun YouTube video and create some good content, I mean, we're just as curious as the next guy. So it's it's just fun for us to be able to kind of dive in and figure out for ourselves kind of what. Uh, you know, what's moving and shaking in the industry. You know, we're, we're pretty similar, and it's funny that you say, um, you know, you want to kind of get a, your hands on the, the, the next big thing, you know, all the, the products that are getting all the buzz in social media or whatever. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. You know, I, when something comes up, oh, I got to try this driver. You know, I got to try this, this set of irons if I have the ability to, to do that. Um, and we're going to certainly talk a little bit about a specific product here in, in a little while that's been taking the golf equipment industry by storm, I think we can both agree, and I, I think we both know what we're talking about. Um, but, you know, I, the reason I ask the original question about how your process works is because I know that I've at least gotten feedback from listeners to this show as well as readers of the website. You know, uh, Adam, how do you get the the products that you get, and when you receive those products, are you kind of handcuffed into giving a positive review. And so, you know, Troy, I, I, I raised this up because there's a lot of perception issues, I believe, in uh, Internet readers these days. You know, um, people go on to Golf Digest. They read the hot list. They go to Golf Magazine. They read their golf reviews. They kind of have this jaded view, they being the readers, have this jaded view that, oh, they're just getting all this free product, and so they're going to give this positive review, and it's always going to be the biggest names in the business. But you could probably say that that's not always the case. Yeah, that's 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 actually when you you know when you're talking golf reviews, and that's exactly what you're diving into in this series. I mean, that's the million dollar question right there is is the integrity issue behind it. Um, and you know when you're you're developing relationships with these companies, uh, you know you, you don't want to use the term handcuffed, 
but you do want to represent their product in the best light possible. Now, you know, a, a key for us is just developing relationships with, with you know, good companies and, and, and only taking on products where you can truly believe in, believe in it. But you're exactly right. You know, you talk about the, you know, these, these hot lists on Golf Digest and stuff. I mean, it, it becomes a, you know, you know, how much did you get paid to say a great thing about that product? Uh, when in reality, we're, we're, you know, our job as golf review people are just to take the product and, you know, as unbiasedly as we can, just completely dive into the features that, you know, that, that their marketing, uh, you know, supports. And so it, it, it gets hard, um, you know, to really, to really dive in and, 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 and shred project, you know, projects and products and stuff. But, um, you know, we, we try to do it as, as completely unbiasedly as we can and just present you know, present information, you know, because I mean, we live in a world where, you know, everybody's trying to tell everybody what to do and what to think. You know, I, I think in the golf review, and, and you'll see this at all the stuff that we do at US Golf TV, we're not really there to tell people kind of what to do. We're there to kind of present features, present information, present insights, and then let the consumer make their own decision. So, yeah, and that's typically the goal. And I, I would agree with, you know, we, we follow a similar process here too. And you know, it's funny when you had mentioned that you receive um, a few emails a week from different uh, vendors or different PR contacts, because uh, listeners, we've talked about this too, Troy, in the past. Um, you know, typically, I don't know how you guys operate, but we typically deal with PR contacts for a lot of these these uh, organizations. Sometimes we actually have direct contact with some of the companies, uh, but more often than not, you're usually dealing with a public relations contact. Um, and sometimes some of these emails that come through, I don't know about you, but some of these products just sound terrible. <laughs> like, you know, I, could... I, I feel like I need to have my spam filter turned on for like some <laughs> sort of a golf review spam filter. It's like if it comes through and there's, and there's sentences that are not structured, it should just go straight to my junk file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because for... it, you're exactly right. You're like, what? This, this can't even be a real product. Right. Exactly. But... Yeah. And some are, some are worse than others, but I think what's, what's really uh, beneficial to the reviews that you guys do or what I really like about the reviews you guys do and, so, and some others are is the fact that you do have a critical eye, you know, and you also incorporate data into a lot of your golf reviews. Um, and so where data is appropriate to, to incorporate, of course. Um, so one of the things that we've talked a lot about on, on this podcast is the, the use of data and the concept of is perception reality. You know, uh, I wrote a piece earlier this week that's published on golfandfilter.com right now that talks a little bit about this balance between perception and reality such that do you really need statistics and data to tell you that you just hit a golf ball further if you can see it with your own two eyes you know and so uh, there's this huge movement and I'd like to get your take on this too Troy at least in my mind it seems like there's this huge movement towards more datacratic or more data analytic uh, golf reviews when in fact, with the with the normal golfer, the average Joe golfer, who's probably going to be the majority of consumers of the products that we're reviewing, will they really have access to that type of data? That's a that's a that's another great question. I mean, it, with the way that the golf industry is trending, and the, and the way that the world is trending, I mean, we're 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 just moving towards more and more technology. And uh, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way, Adam, but like. I kind of have a little bit of a jaded view towards uh, the way that, you know, drivers and irons and wedges are, you know, are all marketed, um, you know, in today's industry. I mean, you feel like, 
you feel like if, if, if the marketing has been true for the past 12 to 15 years, like, you know, we all should be hitting it 350, 375 yards, you know, but so, you know, really when it comes down to, I mean, sometimes the numbers is, is the, the numbers and the data is really all you have to go off of them on whether or not truly you have brought your spin down 200 RPMs. And, um, you're exactly right. It, it's tough for, you know, we're able to get access to all of our equipment because, you know, our founder has, um, an academy where he's able to use this with his students and the average golfer doesn't have that, you know, access. So how are they supposed to know if the new driver truly does, you know, help them increase their launch angle or how are they supposed to know this, that, and the other thing. And I think that's where a lot of, um, you know, these club makers and these club builders, and I mean, we're specifically talking golf clubs, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's where a lot of these, like, you know, these individual agencies can kind of, you know, come in. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with companies like Cool Clubs. Sure. Um, you know, there's there's Golf Techs. You know, but that's where those guys can kind of come come in and help, you know, try to sift through the weeds for some of these people because truthfully it becomes, in golf, it just becomes, a, a you know, a balancing act between what what's, what's the club actually there to do but then what's the marketing behind it going to be um and so yeah it's it's uh you know it's definitely challenging i would say it's challenging for the uh you know it's, it's both challenging and easier because information is, is you know easier to grab than it ever has been before uh for the consumer but at the same time they're getting you know they're getting hit with more information so uh kind of a bit of a catch-22 double-edged sword i guess is the way i see it but definitely and a lot of times well, maybe not a lot of times, but there's a good amount of the time that data or that information that consumers have access to isn't accurate. You know, people have to be really careful when they look at data. Uh, And there's an example of this, actually, now that I think of it earlier today on Twitter, golf, uh, I'm sorry, Callaway Golf Europe, their uh, European Twitter account, they went out and they they sent out this picture of, uh, with, you know, the Callaway new uh, Epic driver that has come out, which we're going to be reviewing on the site here in a few weeks. They sent out a picture of two track, what appeared to be TrackMan outputs, and it showed, oh, well, this one golfer switched to the Callaway Epic driver, and his distance went from, I think it was like 197 to 230 yards. Well, that, of course, seems like an extremely huge jump in distance. But then, as guys like you and I know, you look at all the other numbers that are in that TrackMan output, and the first picture showed that he had an attack angle that was negative, and so he was hitting down on the ball. And the next one, he was hitting up on the ball by like three degrees. So it was like a four-degree difference overall, which obviously contributes to ball flight. Now, listeners, that's really golf nerdy stuff, and I apologize for that. But really, the whole point being, you have to know the whole picture of everything that goes into actually measuring a shot distance and not just basing your purchasing decision on one data point. You know, so this, this whole marketing you know, was, was he got a new Callaway Epic driver and a lesson in the 20 minutes of which we were working with him because, you know, <laughs> like, it's exactly like you said. I mean, the best thing that I think a consumer can do for themselves is, at this point in the golf industry, is to educate themselves on what is actually being measured so that they can have their own critical eye. So, like, when we, did our, when we do our testing you know, we're able to, you know, show the data that we're able to present. Unless you're actually going into your system and Photoshopping numbers, those numbers should be true. But, um, you know, 
there's elements to take into play. I mean, when we did a test, and I know you're going to bring it up in a second, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. We were doing a test, um, you know, a couple months ago, and, and people were commenting on the numbers and saying, the numbers are telling me this, the numbers are telling me that. And one guy commented, and he said, well, they were hitting balls out of a garage, and it was 31 degrees. And it, that type of thing, you know, like that, that specific, you know, you know, follower or reader, whoever it was, had that critical eye in which he could filter some of that information out and understand, uh, based on the numbers he's getting, what's true, what's not true, what's happening and what's not happening. So I think consumers, you know, the best thing and, and the hard thing is, is when golf's a hobby, you can't make it your full-time thing to learn about the spin rates and the launch angles and the, you know, the, the dynamic lofts and, and this and that. Right, but right. if you can just get a general understanding of kind of what guys are trying to do, you know, you can look at those numbers, and just like you said with the Callaway Epic driver, you can see, okay, dude's hitting down negative one degrees. Now he's hitting up three degrees. Well, all of our, you know, new swing laws are telling us that that probably increased his distance 15 yards right there. Right. Let alone if he moved his path out and his smash factor went up, you know, two-tenths of a point. You know, now all of a sudden there's, you know, there's your 35 yards, not necessarily the driver. So having that critical eye as the consumer um, you know, because as, as the company, you know, the consumer is not going to be able to get a driver to test. You know, that's going to be someone like you guys at Golf Unfiltered or us or the guys at Golf Digest. But if you can have that critical eye to look at that data and know kind of even just on a basic level what you're looking for, you can really do yourself a lot of good. And mainly, especially since most people will buy a driver or a golf club after a 20-minute session in a simulator. At, at a golf store, you know, I, I would say that's probably the worst way to make a purchasing decision. But, you know, we've, we've kind of been alluding, Troy, to one of the reviews that you've been doing. So let's just kind of get into it. Um, everyone knows who pays any attention to golf Twitter or the golf equipment at all, the story of the Kirkland Signature Golf Ball. Uh, it's a Costco brand. It sells for about $15 a dozen. The news is, and we've talked about this, I think, the past two podcasts now, the news is that it performs very similar, if not better, than the leading golf ball on, in the market. The title is Pro V1 and Pro V1X. MyGolfSpy.com was, as far as until I saw your review, which we'll get into, was the only website that actually tested this golf ball. And what they found, which they've since been questioned for various reasons, was that the Kirkland ball, in terms of distance, actually travels, travels between 7 to 9 yards further than the Pro V1. So before we get into the results of your test, who actually conducted the test for U.S. Golf TV? And you had mentioned that it was done, well, I guess it was done in a garage where you were hitting, a hitting bay that you were hitting out into, uh, you know, real life. You weren't hitting against a screen. But maybe tell us a little bit about the process that you all followed to test this golf ball. Yeah, yeah. The the test was actually done by me, uh, which could probably, you know, throw the test out all in general. I mean, you don't trust what I'm doing with the golf club. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the test was actually done by me. And uh, we just kind of, you know, when you're looking at a golf ball, you know, you're not, you're not taking a golf ball out of play. You're not putting a pinnacle on the tee and then, hitting a Pro V1 into the green and then chipping with a Callaway. You know, you're playing that ball all the way through. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing that with the golf bag, too, and make, making sure that we were not just testing it because everybody wants to know what it does with the driver. Everybody wants to know what it does with the driver. We wanted to make sure we hit, you know, wedges and irons as well. So 
um, we kind of just did a very simple test where we got the flight scope monitor. Or our flight scope is the, you know, I don't know if, you know, maybe your listeners have or haven't heard of it, but it's like it's very similar to a track man. It, it's what we use at our academy. And um, got it up and going, and we hit, um, obviously warmed up and got everything because, you know, that's another thing too is if, you know, you start from scratch, you start the test, you know, well, if you're testing with the Pro V1X first and you hit 10 shots, you're going to start getting more and more loosened up. So by the time you're hitting the Kirkland, I mean, of course you're going to start hitting it further. Your ball speed, you know, your club head speed's going up three degrees or three miles an hour. So uh, warmed up, and then we, we just kind of conducted the test where we, you know, kind of had the split test there. We had two screens, and, um, you know, we were, you know, we kind of know what we're looking for in the numbers. Uh, and so if we got any anything funky in the sense of spin rates, uh, launch angles, uh, and anything seemed to be just kind of off, we would just eliminate that from the uh, from the data just to make sure that we were getting shots that we know were accurately read read so that we can have a you know a really tight dispersion on what we're kind of you know getting from vari- a variable stance. And what I really like about the review and listeners, I'm going to include a link to the uh, the YouTube video of Troy's review in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. They actually have a great YouTube channel as well, so certainly subscribe. Uh, what I liked oh, about thanks. your review, yeah, no problem. What I really liked about your your uh, your review, uh, Troy, was basically what you just said. You know, you were able to go through the entire bag. You weren't just focusing on one golf club. Uh, you had the opportunity to kind of, you know, loosen up uh, because we know as human beings we're imperfect, and so we can't necessarily replicate what a golf swing robot, for example, could could do. And so you want to be at least ready to hit the golf ball, and then you kind of went back and forth between the two golf balls. You tested a Pro V1, then you went back to the Kirkland. So during your review, while you were testing it, uh, and you also mentioned that you kind of threw out the outliers, so anything that looked ridiculous, you kind of took it out because that would have just skewed the data one way or the other, which is the appropriate thing to do. Um, When you were in the middle of your review, how did the ball feel? I have not had the chance, because they're always sold out, (laughs) I have not had the chance to try the Kirkland ball yet. Did the ball feel similar to the Pro V1? Uh, could you tell the difference other than just knowing that, hey, now I'm hitting this golf ball over the other? It, it did. It did have a significant feel to it. It, it. it, you know, maybe it just comes with the territory. The more golf you play, the more, you know, I guess the more maybe nuanced your feel gets. Um, but I, I felt like when I was hitting the Kirkland, whether it be with a wedge or with a driver, it did feel a little bit firmer in the way it compressed. Uh, now, just taking the eyeball test, and I think everybody does this when they pick up a new golf ball. They take a look at it. They kind of just turn it around in their hand, and they take their thumb, and they scratch it. you know, And then they go, oh, that's really soft, or oh, that's really hard. Right. And that's kind of what we do. But you know, so when I did that when I did that kind of test, you know, the Kirkland's got the urethane cover. The Pro-1S has the urethane cover. So it felt very similar in that sense. And the way it responded, for the most part, off the club base was very similar. But if I... You know, I, I was in there with a couple of, uh, you know, my colleagues, Tyler Prins and uh, Nick Anson, and and they were like, so what, what are you feeling? Like, does it feel any different at all? And and I really kind of tried to hone in my, uh, you know, hone in my attention. And I, I, I would say the Kirkland felt a little bit firmer in the way it compressed, which, uh, you know, which would which would speak to some of the people that are saying that they're gaining some increased distance. Um, I mean, I, I guess it would make sense to me just judging on, on what I felt, you know, mm-hmm. aside from the data. Fair enough, and and actually that that point of 
the the ball feeling a little bit harder at impact is something I've heard others say as well. And so I'm really interested to to try it out myself. But let's kind of go into the data then. So if I remember correctly, and certainly keep me honest here, Troy, the ball, the Kirkland ball didn't necessarily have these monumental gains in any category over the Pro V1, but instead it performed pretty similar to the Pro V1, which would uh, agree with the argument or support the argument that you don't necessarily have to pay $50 for a dozen golf balls when you can pay 15 for this one and still get similar performance. Was that pretty accurate to what your test showed? Yeah. Um, you know, when looking at our test, yeah, that's, that's kind of the numbers we were seeing is that uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't leaps and bounds above in any category, but the fact that it was just, it was comparable, uh, you know, says a lot about that golf ball. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the industry continues to, you know, move now that Costco is doing this. And it's it's an interesting question, too, because are there going to be other products that come out of Costco? You know, Kirkland, obviously, is its own generic brand, and it's its own name brand. And so you want to see, you know, the the manufacturer of these golf balls makes, from my understanding, other golf balls in the market as well. But are they all going to perform, uh, pun intended, up to par with other uh, similar golf brands that everyone knows about, the Callaways, the Titleists, whatever. Um, so you go through your review, you publish your video. You had already kind of mentioned that you've received some feedback from uh, your readers and the viewers of the video, in, including one critical piece of feedback that this person said, well, the testing condition wasn't ideal because you were hitting in a 31-degree in a weather and hitting out of a garage, yada, yada, yada. Overall, how has the reception of your review been? Overall, the reception has been good. I think people, uh, you know, especially those golfers and that are, you know, thirsty for this type of content, they were just excited to have something tangible that they could consume, that they could be like, okay, perfect, I can sit and actually learn about this golf ball. So the, the reception we got has actually been great. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people log on, and you could tell, I mean, it's not going to be – your average weekend golfer who plays eight rounds a year, who's going to be Googling Kirkland golf ball in December. It's going to be those guys that are very, very interested in what's going on specifically. So we had some guys that were actually able to examine, you know, super tight. They're able to look at my spin rates with a wedge and someone commented his spins way too low. This, this, and that. And then this other person kind of chimes in and goes, well, he's hitting off a mat. Your mat is always going to come off with less spin. And just to see that these people are so engaged uh, with what's going on, um, they were there. I mean, it's been it's been it's been great. Yeah, it was a, it was a really fun review to do, and, and people seem to really enjoy it. Definitely a great review. And listeners, again, the link will be down in the show notes and on the site. So, Troy, you know, just a couple more questions. I don't want to take up too much of your time tonight. And again, thanks for for being on. Uh, this whole concept of perception versus reality. Obviously, there's nothing, at least in my opinion, and maybe I can get your take on this too. In my opinion, there's no better judge of how a golf ball or golf piece of equipment that performs than getting it in your hands and just going and trying it for yourself. I don't care what the data shows. I don't care what golf unfiltered or us golf TV tells me in terms of data. I need to go try this thing out for myself. Would you say that that is a similar uh, viewpoint for you guys over at us golf TV where, you know, you just need people to go out and try these things for themselves. I, I would say for every single golfer out there, they've got to try what's best for themselves. You know I mean? It, 
you know, we're able to get certain pieces of data and as a baseline, you know, we're able to give data that helps them make, you know, helps them maybe make a decision one way or the other, um, you know, for what they want to try. But as far as like what you want to put in the bag, every golfer is going to be a little different. You know I mean? Even just think mentally uh, what it's going to do. If you've played your whole entire life with a Titleist Pro V1 ball and you've looked down on four foot putts and you've seen the name Titleist look back up on you and, and, and just mentally what that does for your confidence when now you're looking down at Kirkland's signature and in the back of your head you're thinking, I'm playing a $20 golf ball. I mean, maybe your tournament golfers, you know, even mentally won't be able to quite get comfortable with that even if the numbers are comparable. So every golfer is going to be a little bit different, you know. I mean, for the most part, you know, your iron Byron, like you were talking about earlier, the, the, the swing machine, it's going to tell you the numbers generally of what you're getting. You know, people knew that when the Ping G30 came out a few years, a few years ago that they were getting um, some faster ball speeds with it. And that just wasn't because Baba Watson was testing it. They were actually getting some faster ball speeds with it. And you're going to have equipment that may have, you know, notches here and notches there that have in a competitive edge over the, you know, their, the competition. But, at the end of the day, you're exactly right. I mean, the guys kind of, you, you got to get out there, test it yourself, figure out what works best for you, and uh, just take the information that you have at hand, whether it be from us, whether it be from anybody else, and just use it as a grain of salt in, in, in what you're trying to accomplish. So as a guy that, that tests a lot of equipment and as a good player yourself, and you've got a great swing, by the way. I, I meant to tell you that when watching the video. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as somebody who purchases golf equipment, who goes out, who is a consumer himself, what in your mind, after having done all the reviews you've done, all the research you've done, when buying a driver, for example, what are maybe two things that you would recommend the average Joe consumer keep in mind when they go and test that driver in any context that they are able to test it? Uh, number one, shaft. Uh, I've I, I worked closely with a golf uh, fitting company here in Sioux Falls, and they described it as, you know, the shaft truly being the the engine of the car. If, if the golf club wants to be described as a car, that's the engine. Make sure... I guess the number one thing I would say is don't just trust the sticker on the shaft. So Amen. many guys go, oh, what do, you, what do you got there? Oh, I got an X. Oh, you're swinging an X stiff? Well, you know what? Let's get that in a fuck machine because there's a pretty good chance that that's a regular shaft and you don't even know it. So mm. just make sure that the shaft you're getting is, is the shaft that fits you. And, and don't be too proud one way or the other. I think there's a lot of guys who played maybe to a scratch level, um, you know, for a long time. And as they've gotten older and older, they say, I'm just going to keep buying extra stiff. I'm going to keep buying stiff. And maybe they've lost a couple miles per hour. And don't listen to the sticker. If you've got a regular flex driver, that's fine. If you're swinging the club in a way that a regular flex driver is going to give you the optimum performance, do it. So uh, the number one thing I would say is just if you're going to be getting a driver, just get the shaft checked. Don't get a driver off the shelf and just expect it to perform, you know, the way that it needs to perform. I mean, you might get lucky and something might work. You might not play enough golf to notice the difference, but truthfully, the golfers that have the higher handicaps are the ones to really have something to gain by it. Because to be honest, you can give Rory McIlroy whatever you want, give him a ladies flex and he's going to figure it out. He's that talented. But for the people that, don't have that level of ability 
equipment is here to help you. So make sure you're getting a shaft that fits you. And then, you know, if you're going to be getting that shaft fit, just make sure that the person that working, that's working with you is competent and just understanding how a shaft works. Because a shaft is going to be based on, you know, the stiffness. And not to get too technical, you're going to have a seam in that shaft and making sure that that's aligned, making sure that that shaft, you know, performs well with the club head. Mm-hmm. The club head, to me, it really is, does the way it look feel good to you? Does the way it sound sound good to you and does the way it feel feel good to you because from there if you're going to be getting you know those same ball speeds no matter i mean within a degree you know within a mile per hour or two on on any driver head then you need to be focusing all your energy on getting the right shaft in there so that's what that's i guess to make a answer that should have been two (laughs) seconds into a minute that that's what i would say no worries. You're among friends here. Believe me, uh, the listeners to this show are, are golf nerds just like you and me. So believe me, you're fine. Good. Okay. <laughs> and Good. listeners to kind of build on what Troy was saying, you know, in regard to the golf shaft, um, not all golf shaft flexes are the same either. You can have a stiff flex in one golf shaft and it could be very similar to an X shaft in another or a regular in a different brand. So to Troy's point, you certainly want to get fitted uh, Troy, we, I'm a huge proponent of getting club fitted. I finally went through my first full bag fitting, uh, this year and I don't know what the hell I, I've been playing for 20 years and I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, <laughs> but it's uh, incredible, could, isn't it? it's so much fun too. You know, I probably hit more golf balls during that club fitting experience than any practice session. So, and learn more about my game that way too. So, uh, Troy, you know, oh. I want to, I want to, uh, give you the opportunity here to, uh, let our listeners know of anything else that's coming up, uh, that we should look out for, for usgolftv.com. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Um, you know, at U.S. Golf TV, we're, we're really uh, gearing up. I mean, we're going to send a couple of our team members down to the PGA show here at the end of the month. Um, so there'll be a couple, you know, a couple of our team members down there. Uh, but for the most part, we're we're kind of business as business as usual. We're we're uh, continuing to pump out a ton of fun content on YouTube. If you guys head over to our Facebook page and, and like our Facebook page, uh, we've been getting more into Facebook Live. Uh, you know, anybody who follows social media now knows that they can see people go live. And uh, we've been using that as a way to get kind of that more conversational type instruction, uh, you know, to our following as opposed to a kind of a two-minute edited clip that's really condensed down. We've kind of expanded those out into 10, 12, 15-minute discussions where we actually figure out, you know, you know, things that are going on in the swing that are are hurting the average golfer. Because at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to – you know, provide content and provide avenues to the average golfer to improve their golf game. So we've got a lot of fun things going on on our, on our website. We're currently working on an ebook. Uh, it's called The Science of the Slice. So nice. essentially we're just diving into the science behind the slice. I mean, everybody knows a slice, you know, for the most part looks like a banana. It just runs out there and it hooks or it ducks or whatever it does. But we're actually diving into the people that have played golf for 20 years and have sliced the ball for 20 years, they probably don't understand what's happening between the ball and the club base that's causing that slice and what things they need to be aware of from a science stance. Um, so we're kind of working on that and we're, we're hoping to have that published by the end of the month, you know, all, all things included. And yeah, we're doing a lot of fun things on Facebook. We have a lot of fun content still coming up on YouTube where we're continuing to push the envelope there. And and that's kind of what we're up to. So anybody who wants to join our email list, 
or follow more of our stuff on either Twitter or Facebook, uh, you know, we we would welcome them because we we're we're just as eager to improve our golf games as hopefully our readers are to improve theirs. So that's great stuff there, Troy. And listeners, that is Mr. Troy Klongerbo. You can follow him on Twitter at Troy Klongerbo, and that is K L O N G E R B O. And also go out and follow. Uh, U.S. Golf TV on Twitter at U.S. Golf TV, and now keep an eye out for their new ebook, The Science of the Slice. I'm interested to to read that myself. Troy, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show today. Awesome, Adam. That was a lot of fun.